you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today is the conclusion of our Top of the Charts sermon series. We have spent four whole weeks looking at what we can learn from secular music and how it relates to our Christian faith. Here in Modern Worship, we have been using the book of Romans as our guide throughout this journey. And today's scripture reading is one of my all-time favorite passages. So last week, we were at the end of chapter 8. We're actually going to hop back in time a little bit, and we're going to pick up in the middle of chapter 8. We're going to be in Romans 8. 22 through 27, and remember, this is a letter Paul is writing to those believers in, the, in Rome. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Or some versions say endurance. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep. For words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, Thanks be to God. During seminary, I spent a week in Cuba. I was on a global theological education immersion trip. We were not there to sightsee or to hang out at the beach. I was getting college credit after all. We were there to immerse ourselves. We sat in on lectures from Cuban leaders in economics and in politics. We walked and got to know the people on the streets and in every area we visited. It was a beautiful and a challenging trip. We learned about the current state of Cuba or at least current at the time I was in seminary, and the history that led to that state. We heard people who had benefited from Cuba's policies, and we heard from those who had suffered. I sat on a patio at one of our hotels and had discussions with all types of different people, some of whom even practiced voodoo. It was a lot. The trip left me with more questions than answers. On our last night in Cuba, I was in a hotel room with a handful of other students, and we just kind of sat there thinking, what now? We just sat with all of the heaviness of everything we had experienced and everything we had heard. Then, like all good seminary students, it was decided we should go to our trusty Bibles for support and help. And we read this passage we just heard from Romans together. 
It's the first time I remember this passage having a significant influence on my life. And when I heard the words from the 26th verse, relief flooded my body. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes on our behalf with sighs too deep for words. I didn't have to have all of the answers or words in that moment in the dead of night of a hotel room. I just needed to be reassured that the Holy Spirit knew my heart and was alongside me in that journey. Over the past few weeks, we have come to learn that Paul is writing this letter to the Romans, and there, there are gatherers, there are believers of Jewish faith and those who are Gentiles, and they've come together because of Jesus, because Jesus has transformed them. Paul did not create this community of, in Rome, and he's never even met these people. And still, he writes this deeply theological account of the Christian faith, and he addresses it to them. And we know this group has had their struggles. They are people who come from different backgrounds. They have these different understandings of doctrine and practice, and still they've come together. In these six verses of the eighth chapter, we get a lot of content. Paul begins with using this metaphorical language of all of creation, the people included, groaning in labor pains to be redeemed. They have this need to be made new. Not only these early believers, but all of creation is yearning to be made new. Now, when I first read this, there's something about Paul using the metaphor of labor pains that makes me roll my eyes and think, what does this guy know about labor? But then it sits deeper with me. If you've gone through labor, you are familiar with people saying that all oh, the struggling is worth it for the beauty, which is lovely and true, of course, but that struggling doesn't stop just with the birth of a baby. For those of you who are parents out there, you may resonate with this quote from Elizabeth Stone. She writes, having a child is to forever have your heart go walking around outside of your body. The struggle does not stop after you give birth. The labor pains are almost more intensified afterwards because you're in charge of this other human out in the world. And even through that struggle, we're hopeful for our child's future and the good that they will bring to the world. When we read these words from Paul, we acknowledge that these early believers have had struggles even though they are believers. And even though they've been made new through Christ, guess what? Those struggles are going to keep on coming. But it's the fact that they are encouraged 
to continue to have hope even in the midst of struggle that sets them apart. Paul goes on to talk about this Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit shows up in the world. He says that as people continue to hope for what they cannot see, they should do so reassured by the presence of the Holy Spirit that's with them. Paul teaches them that the Spirit knows what's on our hearts and finds language for what we're going through even when we can't find the words ourselves. It's a powerful image. And it's a powerful reminder to each of us. Pentecost is just a few Sundays away. So spoiler alert, we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit then. Can't talk about it enough. But today, we hold tight to the reminder that the Holy Spirit is with us here on earth right now. Just as Miss Meredith taught our children. And it's a reminder that we all need on the regular that reminder that we are not alone. Our musical artist today is Beyonce. I grew up on Beyonce's music. Destiny's Child was actually the trio pop group that she was a part of when I was in elementary school. Beyonce began making her own music in a solo career when I was in middle school. When I think back to some of Beyonce's early songs, I know exactly what grade I was in when they came out. It's those kind of songs as you grew up that sit with you, that mark moments of time. Beyonce is a powerhouse. If you've never heard one of her songs, I'd highly recommend it, even if you think it's not your thing. Come on, let's push ourselves out of our comfort zones a little bit. Also, you're going to hear a song later, so it's too late, even if you don't want to. Uh, I really love Beyonce's Lemonade album. May not be so kid-friendly, though. But there's something for everyone out there. And if you don't know a lot about Beyonce, I'm here to tell you more. She was born in Houston, Texas. And she is actually a part of St. John's United Methodist Church in Houston, where she has donated a lot of time and money throughout the years. You guys, she's Texan and she's a Methodist. What's not to love? Growing up, Beyonce began her rise to fame by singing in local talent shows, and then she was a part of the choir at her magnet high school. And then, of course, she sang in her church youth choir, too. Then she made it big with Destiny's Child, and then her own even more successful solo career. Beyonce is an emotive musician, and she really draws you into her music. She's also done a bit of acting throughout her career. And in 2019, Beyonce starred in the live-action-ish version of The Lion King. She plays Nala, who is Simba's love interest. Not only was Beyonce a voice actor in the film, but after being cast as Nala, she approached the music producers and offered them a song she had been working on, a song she had written to be a part of the film. It's the song that we're going to take a closer look at today. It's titled, Aptly So, Spirit. Beyonce says that this song is a love letter to Africa. 
in the recording, it begins with Swahili words that translates to long live the king, which is appropriate for the Lion King. The music producers, when Beyonce approached them, they just thought, oh yeah, we'll put that song at the end with the end credits to really build up the end of the movie. And then Hans Zimmer, who was the lead composer and who actually composed the music for the original Lion King 2, he made the decision, no, 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 we're not gonna place that song at the end. We're gonna place it at a pivotal moment in the movie. And the song plays right as Simba makes the decision to go back to Pride Rock. He's not gonna keep Akuna Matating with Timon and Pumbaa. He's gonna go and be led to something new and something a little scary. The lyrics are all about something pulling you in and directing your path. For us as Christians, we think of that as the Holy Spirit, something that helps guide us along the way and reminds us to not forget that we're not alone on this journey. The Holy Spirit is that something that continues to give us hope. For in hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Romans 8, 24 through 25. One of the trickier things about talking about the Holy Spirit is that we don't have something necessarily tangible to point to. When I taught confirmation to students and parents, I always taught that the Holy Spirit was like the air around us. It was something we couldn't see and we didn't always necessarily take notice of, but it was always there. It was essential to who we are in Christ. I'll admit, it's a tough concept. Paul teaches the Romans that both hope and the Holy Spirit are concepts that we cannot see and that we may not always have the words for. Instead, our faith compels us to hold tight to the things we cannot see. We have to trust in something outside of what we're used to. In Beyonce's song, Spirit, there's a line of lyrics that say, the water's crashing, trying to keep your head up high while you're trembling. That's when the magic happens and the stars gather by your side saying, rise up. I love these lyrics of Beyonce's because they encapsulate what I imagine the Holy Spirit to be doing out in the world when we are trembling, when it's hard to keep our head up high, the Spirit comes near and encourages us to keep going, to rise up. For me, the Holy Spirit is the aspect of God that is always by our side, that gives us those nudges when we need it, even when it's uncomfortable. One of my friends calls them little God winks, where God shows up in the world those signs of God here on earth among us. Paul writes these words to the church at Rome for a reason. 
He must know that they are in desperate need of encouragement, that they need to know that someone out there is taking notice of who they are, that someone notices their groaning and their yearning and their suffering. The people in Rome need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is interceding on their behalf and that hope truly is alive. When we are overwhelmed by the world, when we hurt for the suffering, when we ask ourselves, when will goodness prevail? When we are exhausted with how much energy it takes to care for others, when all of these things and more are weighing us down, we too can read these words from Paul. These words that were written for an entirely different audience and an entirely different place and time. And still, they ring true for us too. We need encouragement. We need to know that someone else out there notices our groaning and our yearning and our suffering. We need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf, that hope is alive. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are never alone. We are never abandoned. Throughout this sermon series, we've talked about being washed clean with Leon Bridges, We've talked about being inclusive with the high women. We've talked about combating loneliness in the world with the Beatles. We do all of those things through the power of the Holy Spirit moving in the world. Today, may you be reminded that you have someone encouraging you. We each have someone with us at all times. And the truth of that compels us to go into the world and be made new, to love others, to make time for others, to hold tight to hope that we have yet to see, yet we know it is coming. Far more often than I'm willing to admit to you, I repeat these words from verse 26 to myself. They calm me and they center me and they challenge, challenge me to trust in God. But that very spirit intercedes on our behalf with sighs too deep for words. I invite each of you to cling to these words too, to let them empower you in the understanding that God is working in and through us just as God works in and through all of creation. It's no mistake that Paul mentions creation groaning too, because we are connected to the physical world around us. As I continue to search and practice remembering the presence of the Holy Spirit, I've learned that it's helpful to take notice of creation when I go on a hike or even just a walk around my neighborhood, which is a little more boring than a hike, in each of those moments, I'm reminded of the Spirit of God. When I see a beautiful sunrise 
or look up to a sky full of stars, I'm reminded of the Spirit of God. May each of us feel connected to the power of the Holy Spirit in the world. And may we each find ways to take notice of God around each of us. Amen.